Thank you. All right. Let me just adjust this a little bit. You don't have to touch it. There you go. Today's reading is Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 16. It can be found on page 637 of the Bible's next year seats as well as on the screen. <clears throat> this is God's word. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of human beings? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You pray with me. Our God of grace, as we listen to ancient words, we sit in chairs in modern chairs, in a modern building, in modern times, dealing with all kinds of hectic modern issues and noise in our lives. Quiet our hearts that we may hear. We're so tired of all the same old messages, the same old noise. Speak something new. May we hear a freshness that is not from our broken world. Whether we come hurting or glad, whether we come bored and wondering why we're here, or whether we come excited, whether we come with doubts or faith, may we hear your voice. And may you meet us and may you be, as that scripture says, may you be God with us in a way that we agree you are here, and you have met us. Amen. Do you carry fears with you amidst the holiday season? And, and if so, what variety of fears do you have? Maybe it's fear of missing out. Hashtag FOMO. In some way or another, you're worried. You know, maybe you had that. Maybe you said, you, you know, oh, I could have got that item for 10% cheaper if I would have waited till Cyber Monday. And you worry. You worry. It's a, you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid of accidentally saying Merry Christmas to that cashier that seems probably Jewish. And, ooh. Or like me, I, I was at... The family Christmas party last night, and it was a house full of people, probably over 50 people there. And I honestly am afraid of not remembering someone's name. There's all these new, I mean, there's all these new children that the cousins are having. So there's two or three new babies a year, and they're all crawling around. And, you know, and, and then there's the, the boyfriends or girlfriends or new spouses within the last year or two of a cousin. And, I mean, I honestly, on the way there, I'm kind of going through the, almost the index cards of the names, you know, it's like, in my head, I'm like, what, you know, who's that again? And I talked to Lisa, and who's that? When, and that baby, okay, that baby's name is this, the other baby's this. 
and then I'm just terrified that I'm going to be standing there and get a draw a blank. Okay, I, you know, I met you two years ago at one of these, but fears. But th- those are the, you know, those are the entry level. Those are the shallow fears, right? There's a lot deeper ones that we take that we feel in the season. Somebody's, you know, afraid of losing the baby before it's even born. Somebody else is afraid of losing their job. Someone else is afraid of being single at Christmas again next year and the year after and the year after that. Someone's afraid that my, you know, my blank won't get better. My mom won't get better. My child won't get better. I won't get better. The cancer will return. These are real fears. My kids won't be safe. Or I'll never be able to get my head above water financially. Fears. Christmas, the Christmas story consistently has a message towards our fears. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but what do the angels say when they meet Mary? Do not be afraid. What do they say when they come to Joseph? Do not be afraid. What do they say when they come to the shepherds? Do not be afraid. So there's this message that comes right at us with all of our fears, all of our real life fears, and you're sitting with your own different fears and anxieties this morning, and the message is, do not be afraid. And our passage that brings us into that is Isaiah chapter 7. There's a whole world of background. Usually we hear this passage and we, we see it on a Hallmark card, you know, and, or we see it in the, 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 the context of the nativity. A virgin will give birth, and you'll call him Emmanuel. But the whole background relates to this king. Maybe you heard it as the passage began. Ahaz. Isaiah said to King Ahaz, Who's King Ahaz? What is that about? I thought it was Christmas. Who's this guy? Well, he's this recipient of this do not be afraid message, and it's coming to him not in that kind of pleasant Wonderful way with the gold-plated letters. It's coming, this prophet Isaiah is probably yelling this. He's bringing the hot sauce. You know, this is like, he's ticked off. This is a prophet, you know, red-faced, just mad. And so he's speaking to, and why is this happening? It's because King Ahaz is the king of Judah. You know, all the promises to God's people are going to come to the king who sits on David's throne. And there's, there's this hope and this promise of all that God has said is going to be true through these people. And Ahaz is the current king. And he's facing a dilemma. And I'll try to make it really short, because this is not a long message today. So he's facing a dilemma because there's this giant growing superpower called Assyria that is right on the borders, right to the north and kind of to the east, and they're, they're they're the invading power that's about to make its presence known. But there's also these two little nations above. There's the other half of the people of God, Israel. You know, the northern tribe was actually called Israel and the southern tribe called Judah. That's where Ahaz was in the southern portion. But there's Israel up above in the north along with this, this nation called Aram. And Aram, or Aram, they have joined together to, to kind of, you know, be able to maybe fight together in an alliance against Assyria. But Ahaz kind of rebuffed their their call to join them. And instead, he went around and said, okay, you know, this is kind of like, you know, I'm the mouse and there's these two rats coming at me. 
I'm going to make an alliance with the cat. <laughs> the problem is, after the cat comes in and gets done with the rats, he looks at the mouse and says, dessert. <laughs> right? So this, this gives you the, the background in, in Mark Holland style of what's going on here. As, um, you know, he's got this dilemma. And wouldn't, wouldn't you know, in this moment where the two tribes above are, are angry because he's not, he's not gone with them, they're coming at him directly. They say, well, forget the Assyrians for a minute. We're going to come right at Judah. And they have approached Jerusalem's door. And it says in Isaiah chapter 7, as this is happening, it says he's terrified. He's afraid. And it says the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. And it's in that moment of fear and vulnerability. It's in this moment of Ahaz's vulnerability. There's this poignant moment where he has this offer from God and the, and the message coming from Isaiah is be careful, be calm, and don't be afraid. That's Isaiah 7 verse 4. Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. And Ahaz isn't even a faithful king. Ahaz is, as, you, as you, you can read about it and find out about it, he's this kind of guy that's like, uh, it's, he's notoriously self-interested and consistently unspiritual in all the ways that, you know, God and God's word has guided him to be. So he's basically been doing this to God the whole time. For whatever reason, God still sends Isaiah to say, there's a way here. And we're all, if, if you're following this story, you're listening and you're following it and you're saying, here in this poignant moment, we hope that Ahaz will finally receive God's voice amidst his fears. And instead, what he does is he doubles down on his own plans to deal with his fears in his own way. The alliance with Assyria is the route he has chosen. And so the words coming to him then in re response is Isaiah saying, I'll give you, you know, because what King Ahaz does is says in this kind of churchy, kind of syrupy way, he says, no, I couldn't possibly ask God for a sign and put him to the test. But it's just a cloak for saying, I've got my own plan. I don't need God. And the response is, I'll give you a sign. There's this child. And basically it's a, it's a prophecy that, is not the same way we think of the Christmas prophecy of a virgin giving birth. It's a prophecy that says your doom is coming. Your doom is on its way because of the plans you have chosen to deal with your fears. Looking, what Ahaz does is dealing with his fears by looking in short-term, locking in short-term security at the expense of eventual ruin for his people. And so, when the words Emmanuel, God with us, get spoken nearly 800 years later, it's interesting. It's a very different context when the angel appears to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, and, and, um, and, and this is how it goes in that context. You've heard this. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But when this, these words come now to Joseph 800 years later, it's actually a very similar dynamic with Ahaz. Do not be afraid... 
And here's an act of faith that I'm asking you to make in your fears. Stay with Mary. Do not abandon her. In Joseph, of course, it turns out different because Joseph takes that act of faith. One commentator, um, an Old Testament scholar and expert and wonderful writer, Walter Brueggemann says about this story and how it explains faith, the story of Ahaz. Faith is not a matter of intellectual or cognitive belief. You know, I, I think the right things. It is rather a matter of quite practical reliance upon the assurance of God in a context of risk where one's own resources are not adequate. Let me say that again. Quite practical reliance on the assurance of God in a context of risk where one's own resources are not quite adequate. That's the kind of faith that Christmas this week invites you into. A kind of faith that um, really is only going to be possible, and you're only going to be able to join Joseph, in a sense, into this call to faith if three things are true. And these are not, you know, this is going to be the fastest three points you've ever heard come out of my mouth. <laughs> so this is not the classic beginning of the sermon. This is, this is the end. These are the three things that must be true about God in this story if um, we are to move forward in faith. And first, this is a faith in a God who sees a different picture than what we see. Both in the case of Ahaz and in the case of Joseph, God saw a completely different picture than what was presenting itself to their face. Do you ever wonder if that might be possible in your life? That the situation that you're in, have you ever stopped and, and stepped back and said, I'm actually only seeing, I'm only connecting these things together in the way that my eyes are allowing me to connect them together. There might be another view of looking at all of this. You know, for, for Ahaz, it was, you know, look, looks like I'm no match for the Assyrians, so I better make an alliance with them because that's the only way I'm going to get through this. For Joseph, it was, looks like my fiancé has been kind of busy here before our wedding date. And uh, that ain't, ain't having nothing to do with me. So I'm going to be the nice guy and get out of this. You know, I'm going to do it nicely, but I'm definitely getting out of this. This is, this is not the road I'm taking. So they see, you know, and that's just like us. We see it, and we need to be called to step back and wonder about a different picture. Can you have the humility to suspend your version of events and enter into the possibility that, hey, I don't see the full picture. And I don't have the powers of prediction. <laughs> Mine aren't very accurate. So that's the first thing. God, there has to be a God who sees a different picture than you for you to have faith amidst your fears. The second is that, and this is true all the way through the Bible, and the most surprising part is that it's true of Ahaz here, is that God never gives up on you. I mean, Ahaz is the worst candidate for God to come to and give this offer. I mean, he just absolutely doesn't deserve an ounce of God's, you know, compassion, God's help, God's grace. And I wonder if you can relate to that ever. If you ever think there are times in your life where you say, well, you know, at this point I just really don't, I just, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm, I'm not deserving. If Ahaz, if God decides Ahaz is someone he's not giving up on, I guarantee you for your whole life 
There will never be a point where God is giving up on you. In fact, that's what the Christ child is all about, is that we fear rejection, we fear approval, but we never lose approval with God. In fact, God enters into our world and into the rejection of our world and carries out the path of rejection all the way to its final conclusion so that you can have the path of approval before him. So that you can he, can, he experiences ultimate rejection so that you can receive ultimate approval. And so you need to know that there's a God who never gives up on you. And thirdly, you need a God who asks for concrete actions in the face of risk. And this is just very simple. Ahaz, it was a very simple action. Like Walter Brueggemann says, faith is not just, hey, I have the right idea. There has to be tangible, concrete action that God is asking in the midst of your fears. For Ahaz... It was, don't make that alliance. Trust me. Don't trust the alliance. It was very clear, very specific. For Joseph, it was very clear and very specific. Don't leave Mary. Step into partnership with Mary, and you are stepping into partnership with me on a journey of incredible promise and grace for the entire world. Can you imagine Joseph would have pulled in Ahaz in that moment? What he would have not been a part of? And what if that's true of you? What if that's the exact, exact same thing that's true of you and that stands before you in whatever dilemma of fear and predicament that is making you afraid and terrified in your life right now? The fork in the road where you see it, it's either act out of fear or consider there's a God who loves me and approves of me through Jesus who sees an entirely different picture of what's going to happen through this and what I can even imagine. And so I'm going to take this step of faith. That's what's before us today. Let's pray. Our God, as we enter into a season, a week really, that finishes a season of cultural Christmas, and as the world just leads us into the rat race of one type or another, These are hard words, and yet we need them. They're good words. May you help us to imagine that you see um, our outlook, and it's different than what we see, and that you are inviting us truly into a step of faith where you will meet us every step of the way with your love, with your care, with your covenant promise to be our faithful God. May we step into being your faithful people. In Jesus' name, amen.